Hello, welcome back to another episode of Become a Calm Mama. I'm Darlene, and today we're going to talk about limits over the holidays. I did an episode all about limits um, early on in the podcast in episode four, so we're going to link that to the show notes. But I wanted to talk about giving you examples of limits over the holidays um, right now because I think the thing about the holidays that makes it so stressful is that everything sort of gets unstructured. We get really busy. We get really overwhelmed. Our kids kind of lose the sense of routine that we've been establishing, you know? So it's good for us as parents to stop and think about, okay, how do I want my winter break to go? Or how do I want this holiday season to feel? And what are some of the things that I want to make sure I set limits around? And what I've noticed is that The issues that come up for parents during holiday breaks, either winter, spring, or or summer, is really the issues around screen time, of course, because there's more time available for the children because they're not in school, and they're a little bit more bored, right? So they want to be entertained, (laughs) of course, and they love to be entertained with their devices. And so for you to get an idea in your mind of, okay, how do I want the next two or three weeks to go? What do I want to do about devices on car rides or airplanes or at grandma's house or whatever you're doing or just day to day in your own house? So uh, screens come up, snacks and sweets. There's just so much extra candy and extra sweets around. And it can be a little bit stressful if you're concerned about that kind of thing as a parent. Um, especially if you have this thought that like your kids act really wild when they eat candy. I should do an episode on that because it's actually been proven that it's not really moving the needle, a little bit of extra sweets. More likely what's happening with kids is that they're acting wild because of the unstructured sort of open um, experience that usually surrounds having a lot of sweets, right? That you're at a party, you're at an event at school or you're at someone's house. And so, you know, there, there's a couple of factors going on, but of course we don't want our kids to have too much candy. It's just not great for their teeth or for their well-being. So we have issues around that, right? It's frustrating when your kid is like just at the cookie plate, just like scarfing them down. And you're like, Oh my God, how do I get my kid to stop doing this? Um, and then of course sleep, becomes an issue. Kids go to bed too late. They get up early. Isn't that weird how younger kids, like the later they go to bed, the earlier they wake up. But then if you put them to bed early, they sleep later. It's so funny how the brain works like that. Um, so, you know, you don't want to move out of your sleep routine too much during the holiday season, but you also want to be able to stay up late and visit with family and do those kinds of things. So we're going to talk about Sleep, screens, sweets, and then of course, just keeping your house clean, having kids around, having holiday gatherings, um, hosting people if that's your deal, or just like, you know, new presents that might be in your house and boxes. And there's just kind of a little bit of extra chaos in the, in the family life during the holiday season. And that can be really overwhelming. So the reason why we want to set limits is because, of course, it helps our kids like uh, learn to think for themselves, learn to take personal responsibility, learn to believe that what we say we're going to do, we do. 
Um, that's a really important piece. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but also limits help us. <laughs> they help us as a parent to feel really calm and confident that we know how to handle misbehavior. We know how to set our kids up. And I have to be honest, when you first start using the limit setting formula, as I'm going to teach it, and you've, if you've been with me for a while, you know that in the beginning, your kids don't actually listen to the limit. They don't keep it. That's because you've trained them that your limits don't really matter. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, what, what I'm talking about there. But just to say in the beginning, you might set a limit and your kid might be like, what? Okay. But just ignore you, right? Like they do now. And then you have to follow through on that limit. And there's a lot of following through in the beginning. And that can be really overwhelming. And that's why it's really important to either be in the Calm Mama Club or be in my three, three month group course, because you get the support while you're implementing these limits. And the group program is three months because that's pretty much how long it takes for your child, your children and your family to sort of shift that dynamic so that they listen. Now, the good news, let me tell you, is that when you do limits in one area, say bedtime or sweets or screens, and you follow through on them, it bleeds into other areas. So it might feel like in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I'm setting limits everywhere. It's so frustrating. They're not listening. It's not working. You might give up. If you're feeling that way, book a call with me because I'm going to help you understand what the heck is going on in your family. But what I want you to understand right now is that when you do some good limits, your kids start to learn that you follow through. They start to trust that what you say is true and they begin to listen in all areas. And when I say listening, that's what we all call it. But really what we're looking for is compliance, right? We want our kids, we want to be like, go brush your teeth and them to go brush them, <laughs> make your bed. And then they make them right. We want ease. It's like, it's, it's, you know, uh, I have a f- client who says like, it's not that hard. <laughs> you know, I've heard that from a lot of parents, like thinking, I'm not asking for the moon. I'm asking for the basics. Take your plate to the sink, right? We get so frustrated because what we're asking for is simple and easy. But what we have done pretty much is trained our kids that they don't have to comply. They don't have to follow the rules in our house. And here's why. In most parenting, the way most parents parent, right? Is they're like, they start with that request. They start with, oh, can, can you brush your teeth now? Or sing song you like, brush your teeth now, or take your plate to the counter. And then their kid, some kids do it. You're like, those are like, you know, the unicorn children that we all look at our friends and we're like, how do you have a kid that just does what you tell them to do? But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't have that type of personality that you're raising. Or you have one that does and one that doesn't. And you're like, what's wrong with them? They're normal, okay? They have no motivation to do it. Like, they don't want to. And they're not paying attention. And they want to do something else. And they have their own feelings. And they have their own thoughts. And they're human beings. And they want to have their own experience. And that's fine. So we say, please take your plate to the counter. Or please take your plate to the sink. And then they don't. And you're like, Johnny, uh, look, take your plate to the sink. You repeat yourself, right? That's repeat number one. And then they just like aren't, you know, they get up and walk away or whatever. And you're like, Johnny, 
Come back. Take your plate to the sink. Now, maybe you've got your kid a compliant on number three. Repeat number three. Maybe not. Maybe you have to be like, take your plate to the sink right now or I'm not giving you a cookie. Maybe you get compliance there. Maybe not. Maybe Johnny's like, I don't care. I don't care about a cookie. And he runs away and you're like, get back here. I said, get this plate and put it up. Like you just like kind of lose it, right? Okay. Wait, we know, right? That's why we're all here together because we know that we're not calm, (laughs) right? We get upset. We yell. Maybe we get compliance there. But no matter what, we feel bad. (laughs) And then we're like, we feel a little guilty because we yelled, but then we're actually resentful because we're like, if they would just do it in the first place, then I wouldn't have got so mad. And right. So we spin out. We're like guilty, but not because it's their fault. And then we're resentful. Let me break this down just a little bit more. It's like a command, right? Is when you tell your child what to do or what to stop doing. Be quiet. Stop that. Don't do that. Be nice. Stop complaining. Clean up. Brush your teeth. Right. Or we ask rhetorical questions like, why are you whining? Why are you not doing it? There is place in connection to actually ask those questions genuinely. But for the most part, if you're in a reactive state, you're not genuinely asking, why are you whining? Are you feeling overwhelmed? (laughs) You're more like, why are you whining? Stop it. So a command is often followed by a threat that we don't actually intend to follow through on. Like be quiet or we're leaving if you're like at a play. Like, are you really going to be leaving? Or don't do that or I'm taking away the iPad. Or stop complaining or you can't come with us. Clean up or I'm throwing all of these toys away. Or brush your teeth or you're not getting candy tomorrow. So this is sort of the command threat model. And threats activate fear. That's what we're kind of going for. We want to like trigger some sort of motivation in our child to comply, to do what we're asking them to do, to like do it. And so... I don't want you to think like, oh, you know, I'm not a good mom because I'm like activating fear. No, it's just normal. This is how like we kind of been trained to motivate people. Fear is really good motivation for compliance. And it creates that fight, flight, freeze response. And so some kids, that's enough, right? That threat, it activates like, "Uh uh-oh, I better do it, right? Especially if you trained your children that, you know, you will... They don't want to be yelled at, right? So the threat is usually followed by yelling. And sometimes kids comply and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's really a fear-based model. If you think about in a traditional parenting dynamic where the parent is the authority and controls their child by threat, threats activate fear and they create that fight, flight, freeze response in kids. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But the bummer is that if it is working, you might get short-term compliance, but you're not getting long-term ease. You're not getting the thing that you really want, which is being able to, for one, not even have to tell your kids to take the, you know, stuff to the counter or to be, you know, be quiet inside of a play or whatever. We want them to be learning how to be in social settings or how your family runs, what your values are, what you know, what skills they need to have, social skills or emotional skills or, you know, uh, academic skills, 
their relational skills. There's so many different skill sets that kids don't have that we teach them. And we teach them through limit setting, not through commands and threats. Long-term compliance, long-term ease, long-term emotional health for our kids is going to come through emotional coaching them in their big feelings and setting limits. Both pieces are important in a family. So what I see a lot of times, honestly, is that most parents, they don't even really follow through on the threats. Oh, like they say like, or oh, we're leaving, but then the kid keeps being loud and like they don't leave or the kid, you know, keeps doing the thing and then they don't take the iPad away. Like, and the reason why you do that is not because you're lazy or like you forget or something. Sometimes you forget, but mostly it's because you don't want to deal with the meltdown later, right? You don't want to actually like take a screaming kid out of a play or later on not have an iPad to give them because you are been, you're trying to avoid meltdowns. You're trying to avoid big feeling cycles. Now, in my philosophy and the parenting pr- approach that I have, it's like, I actually want big feeling cycles because it, they are good in that they teach, you can help your child learn. You can teach them how to deal with their emotions in better ways so they don't have to melt down so they can handle disappointment, so they can handle hurt, they can handle anger or sadness. And so I don't mind. I don't mind when kids don't listen because I know that that's going to be a good opportunity for them to learn. And then when they're learning through the consequence that they're going to have big feelings, and then that's an opportunity for emotional coaching. So we don't have to be afraid of our kids' behavior. We don't have to feel like we're being you know, trapped by them or um, like, oh, or held hostage by them right? We don't have to feel that way. And the way that we get out of that feeling of them kind of being in control all the time and them not listening to us and us being worried about their big feelings and their meltdowns is by setting better limits. So what is a limit? Limits are statements that you tell your kids about what they can either do or have. And then the condition. So I like to think of it as a formula, like what your child can do or what they can have. And then the conditions together, those equals limits. For example, like you're welcome to stay sitting here and watching the play as long as you are quiet. Is very different than be quiet or we're leaving. It might be the same consequence, but you're presenting it to your child in a way that the brain is is experiencing it as a permission. Like, oh, I get to stay as long as I am quiet. It's very hard for the brain to stop doing something. It's easier for it to do something. So like, like sit here. I'm, you're welcome to sit here, to stay here. Okay. The brain's like, oh, I want to stay here as long as you're quiet. Oh, I have to be quiet. You know, you're welcome to use the iPad later as long as you stop doing that now. Oh, I want the iPad later. What do I need? Oh, I'm going to stop doing that. It's a, it's a different, it's a different way of communicating and it actually goes into the mind differently, forces the brain to make a choice and to take action. 
So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you so many examples in this episode. Um, hopefully I have like enough time to give you all the examples that I have in my head, but I'm going to give you five examples of limits around cookies. Just giving you a couple of ways to think about cookies. So for example, you are welcome to have two cookies after dinner as long as you sit at the table without getting up. So what happens if they get up and leave the table? No problem, no cookies. You eat cookies, they don't eat cookies. They might cry, they might be upset, and you get to say, that's okay, it's okay that you're upset, it makes sense. I did say you could have two cookies as long as you didn't get up and you got up. If you need to explain it. Here's another one about cookies. You can help decorate these cookies as long as you stop eating the icing. Okay, so this one's a little bit like where you're telling them to stop, but you are also inviting them to stay. You can help decorate these cookies. You can keep decorating with us. You can be here at the table with us. You can have fun with us. You can stay and hang out as long as you stop eating the icing. Oh, you're eating the icing. Doesn't look like you're able to keep to stay here and decorate cookies with us. Will they have a belt down? Maybe. How about this one? I'd hap- I'll be happy to make cookies with you and your sister as long as you speak kindly to each other. So imagine you have a scenario where you're going to bake with your kids and they're just bickering and bickering and bickering. They're fighting so much. And you're just like, what is even happening? I don't want to do this with, with them. And you're like, stop it. Stop fighting. This is supposed to be fun, right? Instead, you're like, listen, we will keep doing this or we will start making cookies or we will do this thing and I'll do it with both of you or the three of you or five of you, however many kids you have, as long as you speak kindly to each other. There you go. There's another example is you can pick which cookie you want as long as you say, please try again. So manners, I like to have a lot of try again. Also whining, I like to do try again. Like, um, oh, I'm happy to do whatever they're asking for with the whining. Um, as long as you use your best voice and then you model it. Mommy, can you buckle my buckle? Or um, may I have a cookie, please? And then they go, may I have a cookie, please? Because manners are also just habits, really. And another example is you can either have two cookies now or two cookies after dinner. What do you choose? Like if they're going to get the cookies in their mouth anyway, I don't know, just let them pick and then they'll most likely pick now. Okay, great. Here they are. And then later when everyone else is eating cookies, they're like, oh, cookies are like, oh, you already had your cookies. So what's cool about limits is that the success or failure of your limit, it's not actually based on your, on your children's behavior. It's based on your behavior. So your child can comply which over time they are more compliant because they understand that you're going to follow through on the limits. Like they're actually going to not have a cookie later. They're not actually going to decorate. You're not actually going to make the cookies, like whatever it is, right? They're learning. Oh, I should listen. It's in my best interest to listen. They're not motivated by fear necessarily. It's more like desire. Like I want the thing I want and here is how I can get it. So your behavior is really what matters. And that's actually great because you don't have to wait for your children to be compliant in order to have peace in your family. You can start doing limits and creating more compliance. You have a lot more control and power over, not over your kids, but over the dynamic in your family because you're the leader. 
So the more clarity you have about what you want to happen and like along with your commitment, like, is this important to you? Do you actually care about sleep? Do you actually care about sugar? Do you actually care about screen time? If you find yourself not following through, it might be because it's not actually a value you have. It's something maybe you think you should do or you think you should teach your kids, but you actually don't really care about it. And that's fine. You can drop stuff if you want. But if you're committed to it, if you decide it's important and you know what you want, then you will fall, you establish that limit and you will and you'll follow through on it. So the more routines and rules that you pre-decide, like how you want things to go, the less confused you'll be. And You'll also not feel very over, as overwhelmed. You'll have, there'll be fewer conflicts. You won't need to be yelling as much, right? So before setting a limit, you want to take some time and think through it. Now, how do you figure out what limits to set? I always say, if you are annoyed or angry about a behavior, it probably means you need to set a limit around it. So if you are really annoyed that your kid is like eating you know, extra sweets and stuff, you can go and make a limit. Like you are welcome to have 10, tr- 10 sweets over winter break, you know, and I'm going to keep track. And once you get to 10, that's it. Um, or I'm going to give you a bunch of examples, but what I want you to think about, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and it's really helpful for you to think about these things before winter break happens. And So thinking about screens, like what are your screen rules for winter break? Like if you want any, think about them right now. Now, once you decide what they are, I'm going to just give you some examples of how to set limits around them. For example, you could say, you are welcome to use the iPad after breakfast for an hour. As long as you've eaten breakfast, your teeth are brushed and your toys are cleaned up before nine o'clock or before the timer goes off. Depends on your kid's age. Um, I like doing a timer even all the way up till 10, honestly, because there is some sort of visual reminder or sound reminder, even for you. You're like, oh, timer went off. What was I supposed to be doing here? (laughs) Oh yeah. Did you guys do it all? Now you can be a little flexible. Like you can be like, okay, you guys, one more minute, let's go. And then let everybody rush through and do it. It's fine. I don't want you to get too dogmatic about whether you repeat yourself. What we're trying to get out of is that command threat model. Like you, you can't have the, you want to use the iPad. You can't have the iPad. You haven't even eaten breakfast. You haven't, we just want to get out of that luxury, angry, you know, mad mom situation. Um, Another screen example would be, I'd be happy to let you guys watch TV this afternoon. As long as there's no sibling fighting at lunch. Or if you know you're going to a restaurant or something, you'd say, I really am looking forward to like everybody using devices later this afternoon. Just so we're real clear, you can have your devices this afternoon as long as there is, you know, no, there are no problems at the restaurant. I like to be very, very generic. Um, And then while you, while you're having some issues, like at the restaurant, if they start doing their shenanigans going underneath the table or, you know, like throwing their food or whatever kids do at restaurants because they don't know how to behave at restaurants, which is not your fault. It is just true. But you can pause, look them in the eye and say, remember, you're welcome to 
use your devices or watch TV this afternoon as long as there are no problems in this restaurant. Are you ready? So you can slow it down. You can repeat your limit as a little, like a speed bump for them, like a checkpoint. And then see if they can reset, right? That's what learning how to behave is all about, is like not behaving, catching yourself, and fixing it. (laughs) So that's some screen time limits. Sleep. Ask yourself, what time do you want your kids to go to bed? And what time do you want them to wake up? So if you have older kids, you may want to decide early on like, hey, you guys are welcome to stay up late as long as you're up by 10. You know, I'm going to set the, you know, I'm going to wake you guys up at 10. Or with littler ones, it's like you just decide, no, tonight bedtime is at 830 and we're keeping to that bedtime. Just in your mind, decide what is it that you want. Um, And if you like are like, I don't care, then fine, don't care. Like if you want to, you know, if your kids are really flexible, it's great. Or if you don't mind a couple meltdowns. that evening if they stay up late or the next day because they're a little overtired and it's worth it to you to be wherever you are or to stay up late or to have a movie night or whatever, then fine. But just think about it in advance. That's all I'm asking really because otherwise you'll find yourself angry in the moment and be like, oh my God, these kids need to go to bed. What's happening? And then you can just calm yourself and say, okay, what time right now looking at the clock do I want to get them to bed by? And then you set some limits. I love reading books to you guys. This is my example. I love reading books to you guys. And I um, am happy to read three books tonight. As long as your pajamas are on, your teeth are brushed, and the toys are all cleaned up before the timer goes off. Ready? Go. So you want to set that timer for whatever, you know, whatever the conditions are. So they have enough time. Um, During that period of time, whether either listening or not listening, you're calming yourself by saying, I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to do three books. Maybe I'll do one. Maybe I'll do zero. You're kind of making that decision so that when it happens and they finally get their pajamas on and they're in bed and they're like, okay, here's the three books I booked. And you're like, um, no, sweetie, the timer went off and you weren't ready. And so there's not three books tonight. So it doesn't have to be so yelly and angry. Um, all right. Sweets. Thinking about how often do you want your kids to eat sweets during winter break? Like what sweets are allowed and what are the conditions that you want to serve them under? So some examples are you can choose one sweet thing at grandma's tomorrow, as long as you only eat one sweet treat at this party tonight. So imagine you're at something and you want them to learn that their behavior has an impact now it's delayed, right? They won't experience that impact till tomorrow when they're at grandma's house, but it's easier to have a meltdown at grandma's maybe than it is at a party. So you set it up where you say you can have one sweet treat at this party and you're welcome to have one sweet treat at grandma's as long as you only have one tonight. And then your kid's like shoving it down, right? You're like, okay, this they're not going to listen. I know what the limit is. And the next day you're like, no sweets. You know, you say, oh, honey, it's so sad. Yesterday you had extra sweets at that party. And so we're not going to have any of grandma's. Now, when do you tell them? You can tell them 
right before you get there. You can tell them while you're there. You can tell them in front of the suite table. And I would recommend that if you're going to do something like this, you might give the host a heads up or whatever and just be like, just so you know, like we're kind of teaching them something about sweets. And so he's not going to have any. And he might get really upset and like have meltdown. And now you don't have to do this particular limit. I'm modeling how to set them up. You get to decide what your limit is and what your conditions are. And it's messy in the beginning, okay? You, you, the way that you do it is you're like, don't eat so many treats. <laughs> oh, no. And then you're like, wait, okay, okay, wait. What do, what do I want them to do? I want them to only eat one. You can only eat one. And then you're like, what are the conditions? Okay, you can eat one as long as you have, you know, sitting down next to me. Something like that right? As long as you ask first, you kind of just whatever comes to your mind, some condition and then follow through on it. And what else was I going to talk about? Oh yeah. Um, showers and, you know, hygiene, right? So if you have middle schoolers, this becomes an issue where they don't really want to shower and they might go long into winter break or middle schoolers, early, um, early high school, sometimes through I don't know that people are different with their hygiene, but you can say to your kid, Hey, you're welcome to play video games this afternoon. As long as you've showered before 12, right? Now, if you have little kids, a lot of times they don't want to get in the bathtub and then they don't want to get out of the bathtub once they're in. Isn't that so funny? So I'm going to give you a couple of options for bath for like two to six year olds. Like, Hey, um, It's bath time. I know it's hard to stop playing. Um, you're welcome to pick a special toy to take in the tub as long as you choose one right now. Or um, I don't like moving your body without your permission, but it is bath time. Do you want to walk to the bathroom or do you want mommy to carry you? Or when they're in the water. Hey, so bath time is over. Do you want to drain the water or do you want mommy to drain the water? Now the water's drained. Do you want to get out of the tub on your own or do you want me to pick you up? Neither. <laughs> right. So you either pick them up or you leave them in there and then you get let them get, do another limit. I will, I'll be happy to wrap you in your towel as long as you get out of the tub now. Or as long as you get out of the tub before I count to 10 in my mind. I like to count in my mind instead of out loud because out loud can feel like a lot of, it can actually create stress. Um, like one, two, three. Like we don't want to activate stress. We want to activate more emotional like well-being. And so because that's where you get really good compliance is out of instead of fear, getting compliance out of like desire, right? Um, so then you can say, I'm going to count to 10 in my mind and hopefully you're out so that way I can put your towel on. So we're just trying to keep things really light, right? Really direct, clear what is expected and we don't have to resort to yelling or threats um, in that way. So the other thing that comes up in the, you know, like I said, cleaning, right? Having a lot of extra stuff around during the holiday break. So I want you to really think, like, what are my kids responsible for during winter break? How do I want to have them help me or help the family keep the house clean and tidy? What are my rules around all of this? So some examples can be really simple, like we can start our movie night as long as the play area is tidied up before the timer goes off. 
or maybe an you know older kid or something like that, you're welcome to go to your friend's house once your room is clean. I'll be happy to let you use the car as long as you've broken down all of these boxes. I'm happy to give you your allowance for this week once you've changed your sheets and started your laundry. So we are just setting up the conditions to get the thing that they want. Not to stop them from doing the thing that we want them to stop, but actually to help them be motivated to get what they want. So that's the difference with limits versus commands. We're really activating desire instead of fear. We're motivating them to getting something instead of stopping something. So that limit setting formula is, you know, here's what you can do or here's what you can have or here's what I'll give you or here's what I'll do for you. And here are the conditions. And when you do this effectively, or, or it doesn't have to be effectively, when you do this, you know, whenever you do it, <laughs> I don't want to even say consistently, whenever you do a limit, you follow through, maybe you do one a month and you're like, wow, that was amazing. Or you get one a week or you do one a day. It, it all reinforces for your children that it is in their best interest to listen to you because when they listen, it benefits them. They get something from listening. Instead of getting fear or punishment or pain or disconnection, they get the thing that they want. So limit setting in this way is very motivating. And it's not, it's not the easiest thing. You have to think about it a little bit. And, you know, I don't want you to be, beat yourself up about it if you don't remember to do it. Just recognize, ah, I have not been setting limits. I've been doing a lot of commands. Let me try again to figure out what do I want my kids to do? Like, you know, what can they have and what conditions can they have it under? Now, this particular topic, well, limit all of the topics, but limit setting, emotionally coaching our kids through big feelings, regulating our emotions personally as the parent, and then following up on consequences without, you know, bringing in pain or shame. These are, this is the crux of what I teach in my course. It's what the Calm Mama framework is all about. And it does take practice. You can DIY it yourself for sure by using the podcast and like following the principles and really just going, okay, calm is calming myself. Connect is emotionally coaching my kids. Limit setting is using that limit setting formula. Correct is following up on whatever the limit is or, you know, doing consequences so that my kid learns that their behavior has an impact. You can do it, but if you want to make it go faster and easier, then you should join my program, Raise Emotionally Healthy Kids Without Losing Your Shit. <laughs> That's the official title. It starts January 5th. We're going to meet as a group, a small group, 10 to 12 women, 12, 10 to 12 moms from 9 to 10 on Thursday mornings, 9 to 10 Pacific. And I'm going to teach all of the concepts live. So it's not an on-demand course. It's taught live on Zoom. And you'll be in there asking questions, getting like right there, just like raising your hand and I'll answer your question. And we're going to be in the same group with the same mom. So we'll get to know each other and, you know, learn about the different struggles and learn from each other's learning. 
And so that group is really, it's really going to be the foundations where you like kind of get that, the, all these foundational principles really deep inside so that you can practice them. The course is $999. It's for the entire three months. I have a payment plan. You can pay in full or you can do it $333 a month. And in that, you'll get that live coaching with me and you'll get ultimately a simple framework for parenting that you'll apply over and over and over. It really, these are the foundational principles of understanding how to raise emotionally healthy kids to have a good relationship with yourself, a good relationship with your kids. Your family dynamic will be more peaceful, a lot less yelling. So I invite you to be in that group with us. It starts January 5th. Like I said, we're going to go through March 30th. The group, I want to meet everybody before we start. And so you can book a call in the show notes. You can find out how to do that and, you know, or go to calmamacoaching.com and you'll see the let's chat link. And so just book that call. I'll let you know all the details about the group see if it's a good fit for your family, your dynamic, what's going on with your kids right now, like where everybody's at and where you're at, whether you have the energy or emotional capacity for this or, you know, whether you believe it'll work for you, all of that, we will talk through it and then you can decide if you want to come. So that is all happening right now. So be sure to book that call with me. And if you are like, eh, maybe I'll do it next time. That's fine. I'm going to do it again in March. So, you know, It'll be there for you then as well. But if you want to start January 20, 2023, like get off to a good start in this next year, there is no reason to wait till March. It just, the school year gets busier, right? January, February, March, this is a good time of the year with your kids where things are a little bit mellow and then stuff starts to ramp up again in the spring. So why would you wait, right? Thousand bucks, working with me, small group. You get lots of high touch. You can email me. You have the online class as a, a, you know, for you to like watch. I mean, there's so many great resources and bonuses in there. Um, but the first step is really to book a call so that we can talk and talk it through and I'll answer any questions you have. Um, and if you know, if you know, if you're new to my work, join us. If you have been around for a while, join us. This is available to you and I am creating this course because I want to give you, I want to walk you through it. I want to hold, hold your hand <laughs> um, in the process of learning the Calm Mama framework. All right. Went on a little bit long, but I'm glad you're still <laughs> listening, learning about limits. And I just am wishing you the best winter break and um, really hoping that you you get what you want, that you're able to set some limits and follow through and just have some peace and um, some connection with your kids over this holiday season. And I will see you back here next week. Have a wonderful week.